Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Beginnings Online, our midweek Bible study. It wasn't that long ago that many of us, some more than others, were kind of forced to stay in our homes. People couldn't go to work. The children couldn't go to school. Uh, many were very, very um, apprehensive to go out shopping anywhere. It interrupted our, our rhythm, our routine. And some of us have found out that that wasn't necessarily such a bad thing for a short period of time. It forced us to kind of look inward. It forced us to examine our schedules. It forced us to uh, re-examine our lifestyle of rushing around constantly, hardly spending time with one another, constantly being in a state of anxiousness, having to get things done, endless lists to do, shopping lists, work lists, chores. And maybe, maybe what ended up happening is that it was one of those God uses all things together for the good type situations. Because when you read the scriptures, especially the gospels, you come away with a particular theme that God's been trying to get into us for a long time. And that's the theme of rest, of peace, shalom. That rest that we receive when we have learned to put our trust in someone more powerful than we are. That state of confidence that everything's going to be okay. I want to start out by reading a scripture from the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation, Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28, I'm I'm sure you're very familiar with this portion of scripture. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So he tells us here that the goal is for us to acquire, to attain, to come to a place where our souls are at rest, that, that place of of calm. Now this leads me to a question to ask you so that you would consider this. Take a little bit of inventory. Are you finding yourself more in the resting mode or in the restless mode? See, the rest that the Bible refers to is more than physical inactivity. It's more than just not just being a couch potato and not doing anything. Biblically speaking, rest, the concept of rest is living in that peaceful state of reliance upon him, upon God. And God created us to rely rely on him, not, not the system of this world. The system of this world, the routine, the daily, uh, just day in and day out anxiousness is set up to cause us to be in a constant state of, of anxiety of stress, of um, a lack of peace. In our Western culture, we have learned, unfortunately, throughout generations and generations, 
to order our days in such a way that is very, very, very different than what God originally planned. He is adamant upon us living a life that is in complete reliance upon him, so much so that he originally ordered our days to proceed in a very different way than, than we order them today. We're taught just, just by living life from the time that we're born that the day, the time when we're active, the time when we're productive, the time when we get results in that 24-hour period begins at daybreak. Your phone alarm goes off. You jump out of bed. You jump in the shower. You jump in the car. You're driving up to either Starbucks or you're getting out of the car and you're going into Wawa and you're going to get your coffee because you've got to start your day and you've got to be productive. But the way that God set up the days originally, the way he established it, it's very different. The ancient rhythm of the day, the way God ordained it and the way God established it was, extre- was the exact opposite of the way we conduct ourselves today. Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God God called light day, and darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Let's see if you're picking up on this. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And thus God made the firmament, divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. If we were to continue down to verse 13, so the evening and the morning were the third day. Verse 19, so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Verse 23, so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Verse 31, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day, and the seventh day being the Sabbath. The Sabbath begins at sundown, at the end of the sixth day, and then culminates at sunset on Saturday. See, the way of God, the way God sets things up for us is that the first task of the new day for us is to rest, is to go to sleep, is to go to bed. We start our day by going to bed, according to biblical time frame. Evening and morning were the third day. Evening and morning, the fourth day. Even in morning, the fifth day. It's evening and then morning. We start our day. The idea is that we start our day with rest. That would enable us, the idea is for us to be equipped before we get into the productive work day. We're to go in symbolically resting. That rest when we go to sleep at night, to us in our Western mindset, we're ending the day. It's the culmination. I deserve this rest because I worked so hard. Whereas biblically speaking, the mindset is, no, you prepare yourself by resting. You prepare yourself by making the statement, I'm going to bed, God, it's the beginning of the next day. This is the beginning of a new day. But I am not going to just jump into this day and seize it for all it's worth in my own willpower and my own strength. I, as an act of faith, 
I'm going to rest first. I'm going to put rest first. Rest is going to be my priority. And in order for me to rest, it means that for the next six, seven, eight, nine hours, I'm entrusting myself to you. Rest in the scriptures is, is symbolic of his grace. As physical rest strengthens us, how much more would be our trusting God in his rest, allowing his grace to build us up? I'm, it's an act of faith for me. I'm going into my day knowing that I have taken a time, a block of time, which in the natural is, is like, no, I, I need to produce during that time. I can't just lay here for six, eight, seven, eight, nine hours. It's a waste of time. I've got, to, I've got to be doing. I've got to be going. I've got to be making things happen. No, no, no. If we would start to develop that mindset, no, I'm starting my day. My productive time is going to be after my rest, not before my rest. I hope that you're catching this. My, my, I, by faith, am making a statement that if I'm going to have a productive time of the day, the latter end of that 24-hour period, I'm going to start by dedicating the beginning of that 24-hour period by resting, by completely putting aside any idea of physical labor, mental labor, and I, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but there's been times in my life, thank God I'm not in that season now, but I remember seasons of your mind racing and racing. You're laying down, your body's laying down, but your mind is racing and racing and you're trying to figure this thing out, trying to f figure that problem out, trying to head off that disaster, trying to make plans for stuff that might not even take place. And, and, and what good is it you're laying there? And so finally, I know what I've done in the past at times is say, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sleeping, so I might as well get up and produce only to find myself in a few days completely depleted. That is not God's plan. Rest is symbolic of the grace of God. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. The Apostle Paul writing, Now I commit to you. I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. The word of his, We could say it this way, the word of his rest which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified, amongst those that are set apart. Paul said to these pastors that he was saying goodbye to, I am now commending you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up, going to strengthen you, and going to give you an inheritance amongst those, among those who are sanctified, among those who are set apart, among those who have a mandate, a mission upon their lives. The message translation says it this way. Now I'm turning you over to God. Our marvelous God, whose gracious word can make you into what he wants you to be and give you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. It's the word of God that brings us to a place of rest. It's the word of God that strengthens us. It's when we go into that rest mode, even though I'm busy, even though I'm doing it right now, I'm, 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 I'm teaching this, but I'm in a place of rest. My soul is resting. My soul is confident that the Holy Spirit who's within me, the teacher, is giving me the ability to communicate. He's giving me the ability to transfer information to you from the Word of God. And I'm, I'm not, I, there's no need for me to be anxious. There's no need for me to be nervous. There's no need for me to be unsure of myself because my confidence is not in Joe. My confidence is in the one who's in me, 
the teacher, so I can rest. I'm active, but my soul is at rest. I'm producing, but my soul is relaxing in him, confident in him, reliant upon him. And so that's the rest mode that we're looking for. God wants us to get this truth deep down inside of us. Everything does not depend on me. I wish you would say that right now. One, two, three. Everything doesn't depend on me. When I go to sleep, God goes to work. That doesn't mean when I'm awake that God's inactive. But when I go into rest mode, God goes to work. When I, when I come to the pulpit, when I come to, to the, this time of teaching, um, if I'm going to become anxious and nervous, that's, that's a telltale sign that I am relying on myself. I'm not relying on the one in me. When, when you wake up in the morning and you are ready to go into the productive part of the day, physically, outwardly productive, if you're anxious, if you're full of stress, if you're, if you're full of worry and concern, it's a telltale sign that you have not entered into that place of rest. You are trying to do everything in your own strength. Psalm 127, verse 2. I want to read this to you from the Amplified Version. It is vain for you to rise early, to take rest late, to eat the bread of anxious toil, for he gives blessings to his beloved in sleep. While we are resting, he provides, he protects, he promotes. Psalm 121, verse 2, New King James. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He's, he's on the job constantly. He's constantly got our backs. He's constantly very much aware of what's going on in your life and my life. There's no use both of us being awake. Get the rest that you need. But even more importantly, even while you are physically awake, get into that rest mode. Get into that place of trust. What's it going to require? It's going to require faith. So I ask you this question again. Are you in the rest mode or are you in the restless mode? What are some of the causes of our restlessness? Number one, focusing on my insecurities or my insufficiencies. What we are more focused on is going to determine what our attitude is going to be. When we are more focused on what we don't have or qualities we don't yet possess, it can cause tremendous restlessness. Why? Because we're becoming self-conscious. Always looking at what others have is a dangerous lifestyle. It causes us to concentrate on lack. When we, when we start to obsess with what we don't have instead of having gratitude for what we do have, it puts us in a position of stress, of anxiety, and of restlessness. There's something bothering. I feel out of sorts. God is gracious. He's generous. He's abundant in resources. If we need it, and if it's his will, we'll have it. With God's help, King David accomplished great things. Great, greatest king. Greatest king of all time, the nation of Israel. After he had finally become king, he brought disgrace upon himself by getting involved in an adulterous affair with the wife of one of his soldiers. It resulted in the death of Bathsheba's husband. 
and the death of the baby that David fathered in that adulterous relationship. Later on, God sent a prophet named Nathan to confront David over his sin. And, and this, this conversation between Nathan and David has just so floored me. You may have heard me mention this before. Let's just read the scripture and, and I'll, I'll begin to, to explain it and unpack this whole thing here because you see a side of God that is like, wow, I, I never thought of you that way. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 8, New Living Translation. Nathan speaking on behalf of God to David, the king. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that, had, if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. What just happened here in this conversation? God is displeased with David. But God is in compassion trying to tell David through the prophet, look, if there was something missing here, if you felt unfulfilled, if you're suffering from some wound or some hurt, and we know when you study David's life, you understand from even as a young man, even as a teenager, he was not valued by his family. He was disrespected by his brothers. I mean, the prophet Samuel comes to his father's house and no one even calls David out of the field to come in and sit down and have dinner with the rest of the family. We see that when David is given King Saul's daughter in marriage, it's a horrible relationship. She openly mocks him as he's worshiping God in the streets of Jerusalem. And so I'm not trying to justify this adulterous affair by no means, but this opens up a, 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 a facet of God's personality that just amazes me. So God is saying, look, you didn't have to fall into this sin, David. If there was something in your soul that was broken, if there was something wounded in you that has pushed you towards that, if you would have just come to me and put it in my hands instead of trying to... Fill that void yourself. It would, instead of you trying to get what you think you wanted, what is God saying? David, you gave up that rest, became anxious, restless. You grabbed and seized what you thought was going to help you, and it has resulted in disaster. A man is dead. You took his wife. The child that you conceived is dead. And now you've brought curse into your household. And we see the series of disasters that takes place within David's family. Leading to him having to flee Jerusalem because his own son is trying to take the throne away from him. God's answer is so different from what we would expect. And, and I'm bringing this to you to say, is there an area of your life that is causing you to concentrate on what you don't have, a relationship you don't have? Maybe the relationship you have is not fulfilling, and now you're starting to look around. The job that you have is not fulfilling. It's not meeting your needs. Whatever that is, if you don't take that, 
that, that lack, whether it's perceived or whether it's real, if you don't take it to God, you're going to find yourself going to try to grab something on your own and it may result in disaster. He doesn't want you living restless. He doesn't want you living discontent. He wants us to live in reliance on him. And as he said to David, if it wasn't enough what I've given you, if you would have just come to me, God says, I would have given you much more. Now, I'm not saying that God would have taken Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, away from Uriah and given her to David. No, no, no. But it's a very good possibility that God could have had the opportunity to meet the need that David thought he was missing out on, to fill the hole in his heart that maybe his wife caused. Maybe that disrespect from childhood caused him to never feel validated, valued, affirmed. And he started looking for that love in all the wrong places, and it resulted in disaster. If we will rest in God and let him fill the need his way, we'll avoid that dangerous restlessness that brings us to the point of taking wrong action and making disastrous decisions. Number two, we're talking about what are some of the things that cause us to live in the restless mode rather than in the restful mode. Number two could be loneliness. Sometimes seasons of life change and we no longer have the close relationships with family members or friends that we once had. Things, things happen. And the enemy uses loneliness to, to gnaw at our souls, to cause us to think that we're not good enough, to cause us to think that nobody likes us, everybody hates us. And if you're not careful, if you're not aware, that loneliness will be used by the enemy to bring you a sense of isolation, to put you in isolation. And isolation can very much cause restlessness. The result, a kind of depression we no longer want to go to new places. We don't want to meet new people or experience new seasons of life that God's planned for us. Why? We're afraid of being hurt. We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid that we're not enough. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We don't have the right look. We don't have the right whatever. The key is to remember who's really with you in every season of life, whether you're surrounded by people or whether you're on your own. Exodus 33, 14. And God said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And we know, even if, if you weren't able to sit in on the teaching the last part of the series of six things that Jesus said, I spent an extensive amount of time teaching on the promise that Jesus gave us. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And he fulfilled that in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So in reality, if you're all alone right now, you may be alone physically, but spiritually speaking, you have the Spirit of God in you and the Spirit of God with you. The very creator of the universe loves you, abides within you. Talk to him. Interact with him. Share your life with him, and you'll never be alone. You will never 
sense that restlessness because you know no matter where I am, he's with me. Number three, reason why sometimes we live in the mode of restlessness instead of rest. Number three, impatience. Let's be aware of what and who we become in the process of life. Let us be constantly aware that God is working in us, both to will and to do according to his pleasure. He has an idea. He's got a picture in his heart of who he wants you to be. But it doesn't happen overnight. In fact, it never happens overnight. It is a process. There's two things that will define you in life. Number one, your patience when you have nothing. Number two, your attitude when you have everything. When we have nothing, we need to be mindful that our attitude is in the state of, because that's what's going to determine how quickly we get to the next stage, the next place. Patience. Patience. Acknowledge the process. Work with the process. When you have nothing, Are you restless? Are you jealous? Are you envious? Are you the type that's going to claw your way to wherever you think you need to go, no matter who you step on, no matter what damage you do, no matter how many people you hurt? Is that how you're conducting life? That is a very definite gauge that you are restless. You're not trusting God for the process. You want to blame everybody else around you while you're not where you think you should have been. That is destructive. You cannot rest if you think that God has forgotten about you. Psalm 37.1 Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. I'll say it again. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. To fret is to be restless. Be happy for for everyone who gets blessed around you, whether it touches you or not. Rest in the fact that God has you covered. When you see somebody else get blessed, when you see someone else get a promotion, when you see somebody else coming into uh, something that you know they've been believing for for years, be happy for them. Have the attitude, my day's coming too. But be content where you're at or you you will sabotage the process of preparation that God has you in. Now, when you receive what you've been waiting for, don't forget where it came from. Deuteronomy chapter eight, Verse 12, for when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. When the harvest comes in, be sure to maintain an attitude of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of humility. Don't ever forget where you came from and who brought you there. Psalm 103, 2 says this, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. 
Some people could be saying right now, you might be saying right now as you're watching this, I don't have to worry about that for a while. I'm way, way far from anything like that because you're thinking that your your boat's never going to come in. You're thinking that your turn's never going to happen. You're thinking, and every time you entertain those thoughts, boo-hoo, poor me, look at this one, look at that one. He got blessed, they got blessed. Whenever you entertain that, you are putting yourself in a place of restlessness, of anxiety. Start thanking God. Start thanking him like as if you're already where you think you're going. Start thanking him like you already have what you think you want. Start being generous like a prosperous person. A prosperous person is generous with what they have. Start being generous. Well, I need everything I have. You certainly will. With that attitude, you're going to need everything you have. Change the attitude and you'll see that you have what it takes to bless somebody else. And the quicker you learn how to live in that lifestyle of blessing others. Why? I can bless others. Why? Because I'm resting in God. I can give anything away he tells me to give away. Why? Because I'm resting in him. I know it didn't come from me. And I know he's got way more where that came from. Your act of faith should be to be a generous person. Now, start acting like you're already where you think you are going and you already have what you think you need. Start acting that way. This is an action of faith. Faith prepares. Get that in your heart. Faith prepares. You say you're in faith, that you're going to accomplish something, you're going somewhere, you're going to have something, then start conducting yourself like you already have it. It's preparation for the reality. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 17 says, we find the explanation to why the Israelites ended up the way they did. Faith brings us into rest. But in Hebrews chapter 3, we see a warning. And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? He's talking about the Israelites who came out of Egypt, who saw tremendous miracles, who saw tremendous provision. They literally spoiled the Egyptians. They took everything they had when they left. Could you imagine them? Hollywood always portrays the people, the Israelites coming out of Egypt with tattered rags. But the scriptures tell us that God gave them permission to go to their neighbors, their Egyptian neighbors, and, and open the door and say, I want that, and I want this, and that ring you have on your hand, I'm taking that, and give me the clothes that are in your closet. And I laughed at myself sometimes when I picture in my mind all these people who have been slaves for 400 years, all of a sudden now, walking through the desert, carrying furs and minks and jewels, the very opposite of the way the world perceives God. And yet, with all that they saw and with all that they experienced, they never entered into his rest. Listen to the rest of scripture. And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, faith prepares, unbelief undermines. So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter into his rest. Why? Because rest requires faith. For you and I to live our lives in such a way where I'm not denying the challenges of life, but I'm not going to, I also am not going to let them get me to a place of restlessness. Because every time I get into a place of restlessness, I am really saying to God, I don't know if you're capable of handling this. I don't really know if you're capable of providing everything that I need. I'm starting to doubt that you're in the position 
to care for me. That is what you and I are saying. And that's what the Israelites are saying over and over again. So because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. They lived for 40 years anxious, worried, concerned, overwhelmed. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What are we going to, just a constant, constant grumbling, constant complaining, constantly, constant accusation, either against Moses or against God himself. You and I are not to live that way. Hebrews chapter four, verse nine. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. What is he saying here? He's saying, look at the example of the Israelites. Don't make the mistake that they made. Be content with what you have on the way to where you're going. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Don't start questioning God. Don't get envious of others. Don't try to claw your way to try to get the things that you think you need. God knew exactly what the Israelites needed. God was completely capable of defeating their enemies and providing everything they were going to need. But the only two out of millions that came out of Egypt to see the promised land were Joshua and Caleb, two giants of faith, two men who never doubted God, two men who constantly trusted and had confidence in God that the God who brought them through the Red Sea was the God who was very capable of bringing them into the promised land. And the God who took you out of the gutter, the God who took you out of your own vomit, the God who took you out of darkness is very much capable of bringing you into his promised land, the plan that he has for you. Stop being restless. Stop being anxious. Rest in him. Let him take you the rest of the way. Israel failed to enter the rest because they didn't combine the promise that God had with faith. When they heard the promise, they didn't believe the one who made the promise. Hebrews tells us that this rest is dependent on faith. Faith requires action as proof. God wants us to trust him and to rest in his faithfulness. He can take care of you. Joyce Meyer said this, get up every day, love God, do your best, and he will do the rest. St. Augustine, one of the early church, fa church fathers said this, thou hast made us in thy likeness and our souls are restless until they repose in thee, until we find our place in you, Augustine is saying. We're restless. But when we find that place in him, when we establish ourselves in his faithfulness and his ability. We can rest. I'm not worrying about tomorrow. I'm not worried about next week. Why? Because the one who saved me has already been in my tomorrow and he's already been in my future. So what's our takeaway tonight? Number one, train yourself to rest in God's ability to provide even your deepest needs. Number two, rest in God's presence. See him and interact with him as your lifelong companion. Number three, develop patience. Let God work it in you. Trust him. He never forgets his promise. We should never forget his blessings. Number four, have faith in God. And he'll bring you into that place of rest, genuine rest, genuine rest. I want to pray. I want to bless you. 
I want you to take to heart this prayer that I want to pray over you. I pray that that the scriptures that I've shared with you tonight have made an impact in your soul. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you'll learn how to rest. Father, I pray for my friend right now who's watching this, God, a blessing based on Psalm 121. May the Lord who made heaven and earth bless you with an awareness of his presence. May you always remember and be grateful that he who keeps you does not slumber or sleep so that you may rest and sleep in his perfect peace. The Lord bless you with healing, prosperity, and peace through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus on the cross. The Lord preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. My friend, walk in faith. Rest in his faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.